of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. This is actually episode 20, and don't worry guys, I did check so I don't fuck it up this time. <laughs> oh, I'm loose. Joining me in the parlour this time is actually our very first returning guest, Ua, because before he didn't really come on the show because he had a terrible, terrible microphone, so if you could actually understand a word he was saying, that was, you know, you're a better man than I. <laughs> Let's all have a welcome back round of applause for Mr. Matthew Davis. Hello, I've returned with a much better microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll have a much better time editing that one, I hope. <laughs> I just remember staring frustratedly at the straight line that was your voice on Audacity. Like, <laughs> there's no peaks anywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Well, thankfully, this one, from what you told me, it sounds much better. So uh, hopefully we'll have a better show. <sighs> Memories. I can't actually remember what episode you were on. It was like 11 or It was so. episode 10. Was it 10? Ah. It was 10, yes, I remember, because it was like you'd hit double digits, and I remember telling you. Yeah. Ah, well, imagine there being 10 episodes later back on again. I know, that's really bizarre, but I feel happy to be, I'm happy to be back and I'm happy to be talking about geeky stuff because I have been itching to, well, I talk about geeky stuff with Becca all the time, so uh, it'll be nice to little rant and rave about some really cool things. I didn't realise how lucky I am to have a geeky partner until I met a friend of mine's girlfriend. Yeah. And um, he's like a fairly big nerd and she is not. <laughs> it was like, we were having yeah. conversations and she was just like, it's like when Rich talks to his friend Paul about football and I'm sat there going <laughs> that was pretty much her I was like oh bless you <laughs> I've uh, well, I've been quite lucky actually that um, a lot of our friends are very geeky about different things but um but we but we've always got something that we can that we can find to talk about which is really which is really really good because uh, there have been times where I've been in conversations with people where I've just been sat like yourself with football I'm just like huh what? What are you talking about? 
I can talk about baseball, but um, football, no. See, I don't know anything about baseball. I'm weird with football, though, because I do, like, I sort of support a team or three, and then... <laughs> Yeah, you're an American football fan, though, aren't you? So I am, yeah. Um, but the Ravens are doing not so great so far this year. Well, mind you, that the New York Mets, who are my baseball team, they're not doing so great either. We're not going to be making the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, that's the World Series out of sight for us. Bad times. Just out of interest, why did you pick the the New York Mets? Well, I picked them because I like a lot of stuff that comes from New York. And uh, they're a relatively new team as well because they were like they were the, they were they came about in the 60s and they were like they, they made up of the remembrance of the uh, the New York Giants who moved to San Francisco mm-hmm. and the New York Do- the Brooklyn Dodgers who have moved to Los Angeles now and so they took they they came around about in the 60s and so they they kind of took the two those two teams and combined into the New York Mets and also I discovered much to my delight that uh, my fav one of my favorite writers P G Woodhouse who Cheese and Worcester and books like that. Uh, when he was living in New York for the rest of his life, he became a huge Mets fan. So I thought, well, oh, there's my team. That'll do. See, when uh, when Rich was trying to get me into American football, he was like, you've got to pick a team, got to pick a team. So I was like, well, I've never been to America, so I can't be like, oh, well, I've been here, so I'll pick that team. And I was thinking, what should I do? So Rich just started naming there, like, because they've all got like little nicknames and stuff. And as soon as he got to Ravens, I went, I'll have that. Edgar Allan Poe style. Thank you very much. Awesome. And um, and then they won the Super Bowl last year. Ha ha. Hey, you were very, that that's that's tremendous. Look, unfortunately, I picked a team that's uh, when they first debuted, they had an absolutely they made a record of having like one of the worst opening seasons <laughs> of any team in baseball history. Well, at least you can't be accused of glory hunting. <laughs> that's true. If I was glory hunting, I'd be going after the New York Mets, who are a no. So I mean. The New York Yankees are essentially the Manchester United of baseball. Oh. <laughs> they'll buy up every 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 good player. They'll buy them up, and uh, they they have fans who aren't even baseball fans because their bloody logo is everywhere. <laughs> but yes. Anyway. Yes, I'll let you talk. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to let you talk because you're the guest. Oh, okay, right. Um, what to start off with? Let's have a. I, I'd ha, I, I know you haven't had talked about this on any of your other podcasts so far, but uh, one of the biggest news is we're both Doctor Who fans. Uh, the casting of Peter Capaldi as the twelfth Doctor. Yes. Now, what do you think of that casting? What did you think? Well, well, um, I do not know Peter Capaldi from anything other than um, the Thick of It. Right. So- so when he was announced, I was like, oh, he's good. Oh, he swears. Oh, <laughs> um, all I could think about was like my cousins going, who's that YouTube? What? <laughs> Which could be quite, quite hilarious, actually. No, I'm, I'm very, very excited because I think he's definitely got the chops. I think his biggest issue will probably be shaking this image of being some sort of like hard talking dickhead politician. <laughs> yes. I mean, I must admit, I'm not watched the thick of it uh but i've been told by loads of people that i have to you but I have love seen... it oh i'm yeah, sure you would I'm... actually love it <laughs> what i've been told about it i will but i have seen one clip which was uh it wasn't from the thick of it, it was from the film in the loop oh. and uh he's always outside the white house i think because he's going off on a massive sweary rant and he just gets stopped by a by an american tourist and told to stop with the cuss words and his reply was just i just thought this was brilliant he says kiss my sweaty bald you fat 
that that that's that's almost like poetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, you need to get on that because I think you would love it. <laughs> From what I've been told, I think I will. Oh, um, but yeah, I think uh, even though I, my experience of of him was uh, through through uh, stuff like Neverwhere, the original television version where he played the angel Islington, and um, also. He was, of course, in uh, Fires of Pompeii, which also had Karen yeah. Gillan, which is very bizarre. I'm, I'm sort of, I f- sort of want to scour that episode to see if there's anybody else in there that might end up either being the Doctor or a companion in the future. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think he's, uh, from what I know of him, I think he will. He's a really interesting choice. Uh, I love the fact that I've gone with a much older Doctor this mm-hmm. time. And weird serendipity is actually the same age as William Hartnell was when he was first cast in the part. Oh. 63. There's weird serendipity also going on with the anniversary because the, the episode, because you know, I'm sure you've heard that Matt Smith is filming the uh, Christmas special wearing a wig because he, he shaved off his hair for this film that he did with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, uh, William Hartnell wore a wig to play the Doctor. Oh. So there's some really bizarre, really bizarre things happening with the whole 50th anniversary. But I remember watching the program, that really bizarre live show that they oh, did that to announce was it. so crap. Uh, Rufus Hound, you poor, poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just anything hosted by Zoe Ball is not going to be something I want to watch. No, I mean, I was a bit surprised that they asked her to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'd heard she was a fan, but um, it, was a, it was a weird, weird thing. And the fact that this was being like simultaneously cast in like America and Canada and mm. places like that being shown live, that was I, I mean, I, I said this to someone the, 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 the next day. I, I think I said this to Becca. She said, I remember when I was watching Doctor Who, you could only watch it on UK Gold. <laughs> And, you know, like on Sunday at 11 o'clock, followed by an omnibus of Blake Seven, and now you know, a live show to announce an actor playing a part. That's 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 unfathomable to me. It's kind of insane. It is. Uh, but I, I was really quite surprised with the casting because I know he was the bookie's favourite and they don't usually tend to go for the bookie's favourite. But when he turned, when he came out to the door, I was like, oh, OK. And when I watched it back again, I watched the interview, I, I noticed he did something when he came out the door. He actually, I don't know if you saw this, he grabbed his lapels and pulled a very strange sort of wide-eyed look. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't notice. That is actually something that William Hartnell's doctor did. Oh. Right, reference to that, and I thought, oh, you're good. You're, you're a fan. <laughs> and I thought, and I, thought I, fa- I want to find out more about him. And when I found out that he actually tried to uh, take over quite quite uh, fiercely a Doctor Who um, fan club way back in the day. I thought, oh, I, I like you a lot now. I think you're <laughs> good. Because he is a proper, proper fan, a real old school fan. And I'm, that just makes me really excited because it sounds like it's going to be a good actor. They've cast a, a much older actor, which I think is really a brave move on their part. And um, I think he's going to be... I think I think it's going to be. I think it might be really, really good. I can't wait to see it. I'm very excited. I was um I was getting a little bit antsy shortly before they made the announcement, simply because a lot of people banging on about the Doctor needs to be this, he needs to be that, he needs to be a woman, needs to be a black person, needs to be gay, blah blah, blah all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I was I was getting really mad because I thought oh, I know what people are going to say if they cast 
an older white guy or even a, particularly a younger white guy. I think people are going to go nuts and it's going to do my head in. And, uh, and it actually did. But, but my biggest concern beforehand was that they were going to make um, the Doctor a woman because I am really not into that idea, which sounds terrible coming from a woman, but I do have a, a sensible reason for it. Name me another incredibly mainstream male character who is a role model for boys who sorts out his problems without violence. That is a very good point. And um, that's one of my views on what how I feel about the Doctor being cast as a man and not as a woman. Although I'm not against the Doctor being made as being cast as a woman. But I was talking with this with Beck, actually, and she raised a very good point about this. And she said she said she doesn't want to see the Doctor being cast as a woman with the current writing team, like with Stephen Moffat, because it would just be it'd just be jokes at the expense of it. And it mm-hmm. wouldn't be the Doctor as a woman. It would be the Doctor as a man in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. just and it would just be like bad sexist jokes you know and i don't think it would work that well i think i think with the right writing team it could be handled well and we know that time lords can change sex it's been established in the program that it can happen Mm -hmm. but i do agree with you i think there is there is a rare there is a rare breed of you know of of male characters that are role models for young boys that solve problems with intelligence not violence so i I do agree with you and Mm -hmm. um I think he, that's one of the factors about the doctor that I think works so well because he is a man. He does. He tries not to kill. He has had to kill him before in the past, but he tries not to, and he tries to resolve everything with reason, intelligence, and kindness. And I think those are really strong qualities, and particularly for any young boy that's watching the program. Mm-hmm. I think I just think it would be doing a disservice to. Um the young boys watching it but also i think doctor who is a program that is full of strong black characters strong female characters strong or interesting gay characters like it's not a show that needs to have the central person be something if you know what i mean like that does that make sense like i don't feel like the doctor needs to be a woman because there are so many women in doctor who that i could look up to or you know admire and whatever like i don't I don't know, I don't feel like it needs it. And although I understand that, it, you know, he, Time Lords can change sex, I feel like now we've got to a point where it should have already happened and to do it now would just be for a sort of a publicity type, you know, gimmicky thing. Yeah, that's my know. main concern. It would be done as a gimmick. It <clears throat> yeah. wouldn't be done correctly. It wouldn't be done like there's no, you know, you know, there wouldn't be like a just reason for doing it. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, the last thing I want to see is the, is it, to, is the thing to become a gimmick, you know? And uh, I don't want it to be done as a, as a piece of stunt casting. And uh, don't get me wrong, there have been some uh, cases where they've recast characters as women, such as in like in the, you know, the recent uh, reboot of Battlestar Galactica. But the fact was that that was a reboot and it wasn't mm-hmm. like uh, Doctor Who, which is a continuation of a program that's been going on since 1963. Mm-hmm. So they could have, they, they got away with that a bit more. But um, I would like to see if it is done in the future, and I'm not opposed to it happening at all, I would welcome it if it's done properly, if it's done, handled really well. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's like the fact that he's a woman, that he was regenerated into a woman is just an afterthought. And it's not the def- the defining thing of that particular character. Mm-hmm. I think the other problem as well is that with the current writing team, if you look at the women in Doctor Who since Stephen Moffat took over, and even in the episodes that he wrote prior to taking over, his lady characters are very, very similar. 
all the bloody same, aren't they? Yeah, they really Sally are. Sparrow with a song, um, Amy Pond. You, you, what's the chops? I've forgotten her name already. That's terrible. God, you know what? It's Clara. affecting me. Clara. <laughs> yeah, that, I forgot as well. My God, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've got complete... Oh, my memory. Fucking hell. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I think if the Doctor were to be a woman, I wouldn't want it to be just another with a song clone, which I think at the moment he would it would turn out to be so i'm not i'm I'm just not there yet (laughs) no no i think i think you're right i think it's uh, it's got to be done properly it's i don't want to see it be done as a gimmick if it is going to be done which i think it could very possibly could possibly be done in the future and possibly in the near future as well i don't want to see it done as a gimmick i want to see it done you know really well Mm -hmm. so fingers crossed but uh all in all capaldi though i think is going to be bloody awesome i think he's i think he's got a good look i think he's uh, i think he's he knows the character well enough from being a fan and i think it's going to be a i'm just really excited i mean it's a really the 50th anniversary is turning out to be quite an exciting year i think i've got to say like i was really skeptical sort of i wasn't wholly enamored with the the last series uh, mostly because I can't gel with Clara at all. I think she talks too fast and she's yet another Amy Pond and she just kind of does my head in. Yeah. Um, that last two minutes of the final episode, holy shit. I was like, yeah. oh, my love has been rekindled. When is the birthday special I wanted now? I, I remember me and Beck were just looking at each other and just like, what? <laughs> I just looked at Rich and I went, what? Who's this guy? And um, we had to watch it again the following day because uh, one of our mates was at our house at the time that that was on and he hates Doctor Who, so we just kept blathering on the whole time. Like, um, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we watched it again the following day and, uh, yeah, just like it got to the end and we were both just looking at each other like, do you know what? I'd... It sounds really bad. I didn't really care much for Clara and I didn't really give a shit what her mystery was because um, I don't think the intensity for that was really built up or the suspense wasn't really built up because they only had, like, what, six episodes or whatever it was to do. It made sense, though, really, the end of it, even though I wasn't bothered, but it made sense. Yeah, it made sense, but as soon as as soon as soon John Hurt turned around, I was like, oh, fuck Clara, who gives a shit? What's happening here? <laughs> I, I've got theories about Hurt's Doctor. Um, I think the, I don't know about you, but um, I don't know if you want to talk about it. But I've I've got I've got I've got theories. Go on, I'm intrigued because I have a theory, but I'm I I suffer from not knowing much about classic who, so a, my, a lot of my theories tend to be shite. Right, the main theory that I think everyone is convinced that this could be it is that he's actually between uh, the Eighth Doctor and the ninth doctor that he's like a sort of he's even in between doctor or he's actually the actual ninth incarnation of the doctor and he was the one who ended the time war that's that's what i was thinking because the fact that matt smith referred to him like he's obviously the doctor yeah yes he is the fact that matt smith referred to him as um like and having done things that, that i would never do but it's obviously him it's like oh Ooh, like some sort of shunned version of the Doctor. And I thought, this has got to be the one that ended the Time War because that was the thing that, that sort of broke him. Yeah. The other theory is that he's... Um, they did actually mention... The the, they, the Great Intelligence actually does mention the name in that episode. Uh, the other theory is that he's actually the Valyard. I don't know if you know much about the Valyard. 
I don't know at all anything. <laughs> well, basically, basically, just to cut a story short, during the Sixth Doctor's story, there was a whole storyline called Trial of a Time Lord, where the Sixth Doctor was put on trial by the Time Lords for interfering in time. And his prosecutor was this character called the Valyard, who is turned out turns out to be in the twist to actually be a version of the Doctor, a an amalgamation of the darker sides of the Doctor's nature that exists between his uh, his 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 twelfth and thirteenth incarnation. And uh, there's a theory that he could be a version of the Valyard. Okay. Oh, this is also bamboozling, but exciting. <laughs> it, is, it is. I'm excited. I think. I think if any theory is true, I think it's got to be the uh, probably the Time War Doctor theory. Mm-hmm. I can't see any other any other solution to it. And but you know how tricksy Stephen Moffat is. So he'll well. probably pull something from under his belt. I think the problem is with Moffat sometimes is that he pulls out here is an amazing cliffhanger, an amazing mystery. Now I've got to back it up somehow. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, I will just be happy when he stops putting River Song in stuff. Because I, really I think though, I think though that that final appearance by her was her last appearance, and I hope it was because I didn't. She actually didn't annoy me in that episode, and I thought that the goodbye between the two of them was actually quite sweet. Mm. I no, she still annoyed me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am um... just just as a final thing from me about that episode. All the bits at the beginning with the old doctors. <laughs> I, my brain was just went fangasm. <laughs> See, the only thing that I, because like, like I say, I don't have much of a knowledge of classic who. Like, all I've seen is uh, one Tom Baker, Sontar, and two parter, and um, the oh, is it five Doctors? I think yeah, so. Five, the twenty, the the twentieth <clears throat> anniversary special, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are the only two sort of classic who things that I've seen. Oh, in the very first episode, um. Oh, did you see it then? Yes, Rich has um, at- attained some. Oh, okay. <laughs> he has acquired some uh, stuff, yeah. So I'll, I do want to watch some more. It's just that, like, the problem for me is that because I've got such a modern head on, it's really hard to, like, deal with things that are black and white and slightly shoddy looking. Especially, <laughs> yeah, I know some people have a, a difficulty with it. It's just a question of just trying to switch your brain off and just mm. trying to just envelop yourself within it, really, and, like, uh, just try and look at it as, like, the, as, as like a play. That's yeah. the best way to look at it as like <laughs> a play on TV. Um, but, yeah, with my not knowing a fat lot about Classic Who, I uh, the first part was exciting to me, but not, like... Stupidly so. The the one thing I think they missed a trick on was um, at the end of the episode when um, I've forgotten her name again, Clara. Clara, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> love know. her, don't you? <laughs> ah, bored now. Um, <laughs> when she leaps into his time stream and there's all doctors running around. Yeah. I would have really liked to have seen just a couple of random shadowy looking figures that could have been future doctors. Because his time stream's all over the shop. So there's yeah. no reason why that shouldn't have been happening. But she was only seeing past doctors. And I was like, oh, yeah. sad. It is sad, really. I suppose it's also because Moffitt was actually asked a question at, at a convention. No, at a, some panel or something recently. And, so, and the journalist asked him, do you acknowledge that the doctor only has uh, 13 lives, therefore 12 regenerations? And he went, yes. Oh, so uh, maybe he's playing with it. I don't know. 
even though Russell T. Davis cheekily said that he can do it like he can do it about 507 times <laughs> in the Sarah Jane Adventures. But I knew that as soon as I heard that, I thought, that's never going to stick <laughs> because well, the fans won't let it. It's the most astonishing thing. It's like what, it's like a throwaway line in a Tom Baker story. And yet this is a, this is a show that's had about at least five different versions of the destruction of Atlantis. And yet that one line, that one bit of continuity is stuck. For, for for fifty or like for, for almost like forty years or something like that, it's bizarre. Didn't River Song give a load of regenerations to him though? I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, she did. That she did, and I thought that would might have been a way of Moffat sort of trying to extend the timeline a bit. But the, the master, even from like the classic series, is also was like circumnavigating his like his life cycle. I mean, he's like appears as a corpse at one point, and then <laughs> in the Five Doctors, the uh, the the, the timeline says we'll give you a new load of regenerations if you rescue the Doctor. So it's possible. You know? I like the idea of people just giving them out. <laughs> but there's just a line. Oh, you can have four. Go on then. Yeah, there's like, like the whole. Oh God! Don't get me started on fan fiction and the uh, the ways that their fans have like over the years tried to explain regeneration as either being a biological thing or something imposed on time lords, which is something only the upper class of Gallifrey have like oh. access to. It's it's bizarre. It really is. Um, <laughs> we well. could do a whole other whole other <laughs> podcast on that, but I won't bore you on that. But uh, yeah, I was going to say <laughs> fan fiction is probably something we shouldn't touch with a barge pole. To be honest, especially Doctor Who fan fiction because they all contradict each other. <laughs> Yeah, but, well, actually, I was going to say, yeah, but I imagine it's probably not as rude as other fan fictions, but it probably is. Um, the, the the Virgin New Adventure books in the in the 80s were did have some swears and some nudities. I think the worst fan fiction I ever came across was I was doing a bit at, oh, this was back when I was at college. Uh, in English, I was doing a a bit about fan fiction and, you know, the internet and writing and all that sort of bollocks and so i thought i'll just go online and look up fan fiction the amount of dirty badly written porn i found surrounding and the thing is a lot of it didn't even make sense it was you know like i can kind of no i can't i was gonna say i can kind of understand but i really can't but you know if you read a harry potter book and you think this book would be infinitely better if harry and ron became a gay couple let's write this sex scene do you know what okay Okay. What I don't understand is things like I'm sure there's um there's like I'm sure there's some fan fiction out there that's basically surrounding like Lance from uh NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, whichever band he was from. Just like fucking loads of fictional characters. He just like appears in the Hobbit and like does it with Gandalf and you're like, Oh don't who sat there and thought I'm just listening to a little bit of NSYNC and this song would be greatly improved if Gandalf was getting fucked in it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you see what happens with fan fiction. You let people do their own thing and they come up with Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, God. That Twilight fan fiction. Don't get me started on Fifty Shades of Grey. My mum read that and then I verbally slapped her. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Oh, that's that. That's like I said. That opens up an entirely different whole sort of podcast, which it's probably too many dark recesses that we should never ever venture down. Dark recesses, eh? Um. Anyway. I'll, I'll <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to move it on because we've been talking about Doctor Who for nearly half an hour. Yes, uh, we have. Sorry. Yes, go on. I am very excited for it though. I'm going to keep it sort of on a Peter Capaldi note though because I watched World War Z the other day. World War Z. I'm not American. 
and he he's in that did you know <laughs> yes i did see almost instantly the, like the the the, the who uh, doctor thing yeah. Well, yeah, yeah going doing the rounds on tumblr mostly yeah i did see that we'll see i had absolutely no idea and uh when it kept like when we started watching the film, as soon as they got into like the uh, the World Health Organization building, I was like, oh, "Rich, look, it's the doctor. He's playing the doctor." And Rich was like, okay, "You're behind the whole internet about three months. Stay fucking calm down." Oh. <laughs> I thought I was being really funny and original. <laughs> Thanks, <Awesome>. Rich. <laughs> Sad face. But um, hey, World War Z is all right, isn't it? Have you seen it? No, because I love the book so much that when I saw the trailer, I went fuck this that was my reaction <laughs> now it seems really really bad to say that without you know judging a film without seeing it because i normally don't tend to do that but unfortunately now uh i did actually see the the on youtube the honest trailer about world war z oh, <laughs> the thing that if they they rename it brad pitt zombie movie <laughs> There's yeah, this brilliant lie where the guy in the trailer movie voice goes contains everything that you loved about the title and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, if yeah, it's nothing like the book. It bears, aside from being about zombies, it bears absolutely zero resemblance to the books. Like just completely zero. Um, <laughs> but if you put that, because I read the book and loved the book, I read it sort of late last year, um, and I thought it was amazing. And I would have really loved to have seen like yeah, a- it's a great book. I mean, it's one of the. I think that book has done more for the zombie genre than any recent zombie movie in the past, like, five years has done, you know, in terms of innovation and uh, ideas. Yeah, Uh, gosh, yeah, definitely. One of my favourite bits was when he does an interview with the bloke who was in a satellite at the time that the the outbreak... No, yeah, that... You see, it's stuff like that. Who even thinks of that? I like the brilliant thing. Also, the one where he interviews interviews the other girl that's in the in the facility for the rehabilitation of feral children. You know that that stuff like that. You you've really got to think about it, or you've been to a darkest timeline where zombies really have taken over the over the world, and this stuff has happened. Like it's just the little touches, like the the, the island where all the celebrities like end up partying up, or the doomsday cults, and the uh, you know the people ending up on the ships and stuff like that you know that kind of stuff or Redeka, you know you know all of that stuff and it just thinking it, it, and i just saw the trailer and i thought you've just wasted i mean I, I haven't seen the film so i can't really comment that much but from what i can gather of the trailer it's that and for what you've just said it seems like they've just wasted a great source material and i know that movie studios pay for the right to adapt and adapt being the operative word it's an adaptation but you think that they, with something like that they could have done a tv miniseries that would have given walking dead a run for its money well i would have really liked to have seen um like an actual documentary style film yeah absolutely that's precisely that's something that could work i i don't understand why that wasn't their plan because i know it's not like the action packed amazing but if you if you did like these pretty serious talking heads telling stories combining it with found footage and you know like awesome stuff like that i'd be all over that like white on rice but the, the thing about world war z z z z z z yeah. whichever um the thing about it is it's actually not a bad zombie film if you pretend it has nothing to do with the book <laughs> if, you, if you pretend that it is just brad pitt zombie movie, zombie movie. right it's actually really really good <laughs> okay 
because I went into it, I went into it having seen the trailer and the thing is, I think you can judge a film by its trailer because that is what a trailer is for. It is meant to sell you on the idea of this film and if you're not sold, then fair enough. Um, but I saw the trailer and I thought, it doesn't look like the book, but I'll watch the film because it looks all right. And it is, it's actually like, I don't usually rate Brad Pitt, but he's actually really good in it. In essence, he plays. Now, I couldn't quite gather whether he was an ex-military or ex-government official type person, but he's just casually in his car with his kids and his wife just having a casual drive down the street when all of a sudden like they're just wedged in traffic and people start running and screaming and then zombies everywhere and um the the really cool thing about the film is the way that the zombies move because one of the things i've always found like really bizarre now this is going to sound really odd because i'm about to talk about the realism of zombie movements which makes no sense because zombies are in fact not real um (laughs) but the real but realism of their movement does make sense because if you're a purist like me there, there, there is a way that a zombie should move. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> you're, you're about to say that they shouldn't run, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I can forgive it in games like Left for Dead, but I fucking hate running zombies. See, my, really my husband, my husband said the exact same thing. He watched, finished watching the film and he said that was good, but they're not zombies because they're running. But the thing that he and he agreed with me on this, the thing that we both liked is that they're very mindless looking because a lot of zombie films have have zombies chasing you with purpose you know they've got their arms out they can maneuver corners these zombies try and run around a corner they've got the turning circle of rich when he's trying to play football which is massive <laughs> um it's okay so they're sort of painted as like really mindless like they're just like a, a horde of like instincts they're, they're, they're not yeah. there's nothing like uh in no intelligence to them okay exactly. all right it's like they've smelt food and they're running after it they will run off a wall they will run into a wall they will they literally and if they fall off something they don't put their arms out to stop themselves they just land wherever they're gonna land in a crumpled heap now if they can they'll get up again and just start chasing shit it's kind of brilliant um it's the okay. first it's the, like a Aside from the running, it's the first time I've seen zombies that I could really get behind. Because <laughs> I was. Well, shouldn't you be in front of them, well, running away fast, not behind them? Yeah. <laughs> but I think the absolute star part of the film is when it moves into the World Health Organization bit, because a lot of the first half of the film is just look at this horde of zombies. Oh, I'm running away, and that's essentially, you know, it's Brad Pitt running with the wind in his hair for quite a long... Long blonde hair, I hasten to add, yes. Yeah, it's very long and blonde. It's a bit handsome, I've got to say. It's a bit Thor-esque. Not that I mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know how you feel about Chris Hemsworth, yes. Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> oh, don't start me off again. I um, I did, The last episode that I did was with um, a friend of mine who is uh, massively gay, and so we spent the entire time just going, oh, core, isn't he fit? Which is just <laughs> really distracting. <laughs> um, no, the, the World Health Organization bit is absolutely amazing because it just slows everything you go from this like mad fast pace zombies all up in your grill sort of bonkersness i mean there's there's one bit where there's zombies on a plane and you're thinking how the fuck are you getting out of this you're in the shitting air it's like no idea but it just takes it right down essentially they get into this into the the world health organization and brad pitt has a theory from what he's seen from his travels that um, the zombies are avoiding people who have terminal diseases, um, okay. which is weird, uh, and I don't understand it, but 
Okay, we'll go with it. So they decide what would be a really good idea is we'll go and we'll test this theory. We'll get one of our diseases. We'll inject one of us with it and we'll wander around to see if we get eaten. Great. So then the, like the ensuing scene is essentially them trying to manoeuvre around all the zombies that are in this like sort of, I think it was B-Wing that they've managed to close off that was full of about 70 scientists and doctors so they're now all zombies. And it's really creepy and really tense because, I mean, there's just, it sounds ridiculous because it sounds very boring and unexciting, but there was one scene that I was literally on the edge of the sofa, like so tensed up because they were trying to get past um, a lab which had entirely glass... Uh, walls and a fully glass door so they had to sort of go past this door without these three zombies inside noticing that they were outside and it Ugh. it took ages which sounds awful but I was so tired oh my god he's going to see it, oh, he's turning around oh, they're going to get eaten oh, oh. and I just, the whole way around I was shitting myself <laughs> oh, god. and it is probably the first time that I've been genuinely frightened by a zombie movie really? Yeah, I'm not. Um, I'm not normally. I'm not. It sounds really funny considering the amount of things I'm scared of in real life. But I've there are very few scary films that have actually like really had me scared, and then stayed with me afterwards. I might have had a little nightmare about World War Z. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> Which is, I've got to say, the first zombie nightmare I've had since watching my uncle play the first Resident Evil game back when oh, well, it first came out on the PlayStation. That is, um, that 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 one's understandable. That one is understandable because that is pretty creepy game. Oh, do you know what it was? It was the dogs through the window. You know that? Um, yes. It's towards the start of the game, you're just casually walking down a corridor. Boom! Dogs through the window. What? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was that was pretty nasty. He's like, oh. Shit a brick, I tell you. <laughs> so you're saying that um, I could enjoy this movie if I think, if for me personally, if I think of it as just Brad Pitt's zombie movie. Yeah, don't think of it as World War Z, and don't think of it as, um, in fact, don't think of them as zombies because their running will upset you then. <laughs> yeah, I think that would that would upset me. I mean, um, I can uh, I can forgive um, I can I can forgive the ones in Twenty Eight Days Later because even by Danny Boyle's statement, they're not zombies; they're infected. But yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I might, I might give that a go then. But um, if you, uh, but do me a favour and watch uh, on honest movie trailer World Wars, and you'll see why I have difficulty. We all have difficulty taking it seriously. Okay, I, I will definitely check that out. But um, I have just spoiled like the biggest like twisty part for you. The only, oh pardon me. The only thing I will say is that the ending is quite lacklustre. <laughs> um, okay. I won't spoil it for you, but it kind of like builds up and builds up, and then it's like the end. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay. okay then. Right. <laughs> Alrighty then. But yeah, it's it's good. Just just pretend it's like it's like. Have you ever seen the Resident Evil movie? Yes, I have actually, and uh, I will be the first to say that I actually quite enjoyed it. It's not I gotta say, brilliant, but it's enjoyable. It's not, it's not terrible. Um, I, that, like my biggest thing with that as well, again, is you've got to divorce it from the source material because for me, yes. what I wanted from a Resident Evil film was. Somebody reports disturbances in this mansion in the woods. Police team go in. Zombie madness ensues. Well, you know that uh, Romero, George Romero, was actually going to do the original Resident Evil movie. He actually wrote a script that was based very heavily off the game. Oh, what? I would have watched the shit out of that. And speaking of which, um, you know, the World War Z, the actual Max Brooks actually did write a script for the producers. And they said, that's really great. We're going to do our own thing. Oh, 
Did. And so Max Brooks is like, yep, walking away. Mm. And apparently he tried to avoid the trailer, but he accidentally saw it, and apparently he ended up nearly crying. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Like, if this was based... Like, if I'd written World War Z and then they'd made that film, I'd be like, oh, what guy? Are you serious? This isn't the same. But, like, it literally has... They could totally have called it. Because this is what I said to my sister about Resident Evil, because she, for some reason, is basically in love with Milly Jovovovovovich. And... <laughs> She's pretty much in love with her and will watch anything she's in and think it's great, even if it's terrible. And um, she's seen, like, I stopped after Resident Evil 2. I couldn't handle it anymore, even though that one was slightly more like the game. Because I just thought, if you're going to create this Alice character who is an entirely new thing and base an entirely new plot around her, why not just make a different film? Like, why try and tie it to Resident Evil because Resident Evil has such a good fucking idea at the heart of it. I would I would love to get a few cameras together and bust a Resident Evil movie with my mates because I reckon it'd be ten times more Resident Evil-y than that shit in film. <laughs> if you do that, call me up. Uh, but the, th- the thing is, though, I, I, I think I found out a lot about this is that a lot of scripts sometimes will be will start off as a script having nothing to do because they, they go around Hollywood and they'll start off as scripts with, with literally nothing to do with the franchise, but they'll be retooled mm. to include the franchise. So you'll probably find that the Resident Evil, original Resident Evil script, the one that they ended up making, was uh, probably for something else. And then the studios gave it to a, uh, a writer and just some random writer said, we've got this, retool it, but with the Resident Evil vibe. And that's and I mean that's sort of sometimes what happens with scripts, because I mean I've read the I've managed to get a hold of the original Batman versus Superman uh, script. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> not not the one for the new movie, but uh, it that was it was pretty dire. Oh, let's. I, I've even I've even read a Kevin Smith Superman Lives script. Thank fuck that wasn't made. <laughs> Was this the one that like Nick Cage was apparently wanting to play Superman? Yes, oh. that's the exact one. We Brainiac and a gigantic spider monster at the end of it simply because the producer wanted to put it in because it thought he'd make a cool toy. We all know how I feel about spiders and, and how much I would not go and see that film then. <laughs> yes, yes. Indeed. Oh, yeah. Well, talking about um, the new Superman film... Yes. How about Ben Affleck, eh? Well, I have to to make a confession first of all. I have not seen Man of Steel as yet, so I can't really comment on uh, Henry Cavill as Superman. He's amazing. Uh, Okay, I will. I will definitely watch it. But Ben Affleck, uh, my initial choice, my initial reaction was, huh? (laughs) You had the same reaction as me. Like I am neither. Woohoo or. About this because it, Ben Affleck has done some shit things and he's done some really good things. I think I might have preferred it if he had more of a productiony, directory type role, perhaps mm. because he seems to be better at that. But then again, what do I know? I thought Heath Ledger was going to be shit as the Joker. <laughs> so well, and we all know how brilliant he turned out to be. Exactly, exactly. I um, I, I don't know. I. I'm going to reserve judgment until I sit because I got into a bit of an argument with somebody online the other day because they posted a picture on Facebook of Josh Brolin in the bat suit and it and he he put the caption underneath superior to Ben Affleck as Batman in every single fucking way to which I replied a you haven't seen Ben Affleck as Batman b yeah. you haven't seen Josh Brolin as Batman how can you say that one is superior to the other when neither of them exist as a thing yet 
Josh. I know that Josh Brolin was like was in the running for the part, and they gave it to Ben Affleck. Now, if it was me who was casting, I probably would have picked Josh Brolin simply because, from what I understand, they want to do with Batman in this film is that they want to make him like a a tires, you know, like a really a, you know tired uh, grizzly, yeah, grizzly Batman, and I think that would have worked well. But uh, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen Ben Affleck play Batman. Exactly. Uh, people, people are being a bit mean and just using Daredevil as like a frame of reference. The problem That's, is that yeah. the, the, the issue with Daredevil wasn't Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes, it, it wasn't at all. It was the not very good script and the terrible performances by other people. And have you seen the director's cut of that? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've been told it's far superior to the original version. Yeah, me too. I haven't watched it yet, but I've got it on DVD, so I may have to dig it out and watch it soon because. Yeah, I, yeah. I was one of very few people who didn't mind Daredevil as it was. Like, it wasn't the greatest film, but it wasn't a crock of shit. Like, you know, the, the Daredevil film could have been a whole lot worse. It could have been Captain America. I, I, you were talking about the recent Captain America? I am, yeah. I enjoyed that. What a terrible, you... terrible film. Oh, let me guess. You, you've you've come up on Brubaker's uh, uh, Captain America, haven't you? I yeah. Have. Uh, I so you you didn't have any time for the pulp, uh, pulpy forty style Captain America, did you? No, I I don't mind the pulpy forty style. What I mind is terrible performances, terrible CGI, that weird accent that's definitely not German. And a ridiculous, like just the, the, there were just so many bits in it that were stupid, like. I can't get this plane off course, so I'm going to have to crash it. What plane has a course from Germany to the US that goes via fucking Antarctica or wherever the shit he crashed it? It's like, if you get, how is that not off course? States, you're talking about a film that has a man that's got that's become a super soldier and a man with a red skull face for a head. There's not going to be much logic in a in the flight course of a plane from, you know... I think it was one of those things where, like, I can let go a lot of stupid stuff in films if everything else, if it's so awesome. It's like Pacific Rim. I will let go a lot of the things in that that people didn't like because I thought the the rest of it was so awesome. Like, I'm just like, oh, I don't care. Exactly. It's like, you know, so many people have said to me, oh, but why would we build giant robots when we could just shoot the monsters in the face? And I'm like, I don't know, who cares? Look at them have a fight. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, but I just, there was so, there was so much crap in Cap that I just couldn't let it go. Sorry. Now, I say, I know a lot more about the pulp um, Captain America. So I got, I really... I really enjoyed it, and I mean, I thought Chris Evans was actually really well cast. I know some people didn't like him, but I thought he was—I thought he did the part really well. And uh, I think you're—are you looking more forward to the Winter Soldier uh, film, where they're, yeah. they're trying to do like a, a spy thriller type thing with that? I am, but I'm—I'm I'm still skeptical because I didn't. Like, I think the problem for me as well was the very first comic I ever read was issue 15 of Brubaker's Run. Rich bought that and said, "Get into comics, have this." Right. And and, and he he bought me that. Because when I was younger, I was absolutely upset. Did you ever see the 70s Captain America TV movie where he rode an, a motorbike around with his shield attached to the front of it? Yes. Um, that wasn't my first experience, though. My first experience was the 90s movie with the when the Red Skull was like an Italian fascist yet still had a swastika on his arm. I have that on DVD. I love that film. Um, <laughs> Even the rubber ears. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Infinitely better than the new one, I think. But I think that might be because it knows it's shit. So um, oh, I... <laughs> I went I went into seeing Captain America very overexcited because Cap was one of my favourite characters. It's what got me into comics. I was like, I've got a lot of love for Cap. So 
when I went in, and I thought Chris Evans did a fine job with what he had. Like, and and I think him in Avengers, amazing. Uh, yes, he was. I just, I just thought this film was a little bit too shit. <laughs> no, see, I was able to switch off from some of the discrepancies and stuff that happened in it because I took it as like a really big pulp adventure, and it was trying to set up Cap for you know what Cap was to what he would become, you know, a modern day, you know, old, you know, a relic out of his time, and not just that, but he's like a he is a pulp character that's thrown into the like the big you know comic book world, yeah. and uh, that's how I took it, and I I I I really enjoyed it. I I I made no shame of that and i think you're wrong that's all i'm saying <laughs> fair enough i'm um, i'm very much looking forward to the next um avengers thing though yes with age of ultron that's going to be interesting uh, age of ultron and everything but the title for what i understand it's every you know the title is all they're using from it so it'll be interesting to see what joss whedon does with it mm, I'm, I'm i'm excited i i just i love avengers so much it's like one of my favorite comic films then again that being said like one of my favourite comic films is The Dark Knight Rises but I haven't watched it since I saw it at the cinema because I'm frightened I won't like it anymore (laughs) it's really sad I haven't seen it since I was last at the cinema and um, I I enjoyed it I really enjoyed it I know there were faults with it but I was able to overlook that yeah I just love Bane so much he's always been my favourite Batman villain Um, the games begin I love him. I love beautiful voice. Um, I th- I absolutely adored him in it, and I just like I came out of it absolutely buzzing. But then uh, I think this is one of the problems with the internet is that everybody's got a podcast or a blog or a some you know or posting up on Facebook, so you, you immediately get bombarded with everybody else's opinions on things, and then you start to think, oh yeah, well they are right. That bit was a bit weird, and that bit didn't really make sense, and this bit. And now I'm frightened to watch it again in case I think it's garbage. The problem, the problem with the naysayers is that they're usually the loudest that's the yeah. problem yeah i mean i'll admit like i'm not one of these people who thinks you have to be positive about everything because you literally cannot like everything in the world i watched i was forced to watch pitch perfect the other week and i'd rather gouge my own eyes out with a rusty spoon than ever watch that film again oh dear it's lord <laughs> terrifyingly bad like just terrifyingly uh, just thinking about it is making my I think a few brain cells just died just thinking of that film um, <laughs> so, so where, where were we? <laughs> yes we're talking about how um, yeah so I am happy for people to have opinions it's fine it's just that yeah a lot of people get very vehement about how right they are about their opinions and then it makes me sad because it makes me doubt my own opinion well, I'm as in reference to Ben Affleck, I will go see the film and the world is big enough to have various Batmans. If it's big enough to have a George Clooney Batman, it's big <laughs> enough to have a Ben Affleck Batman. So, <sighs> so come on, let's face it. Even Val Kilmer was better than George Clooney. <laughs> and I feel really bad for George Clooney because he's actually a legitimately good actor. But he, what yes, happened in that film? Did he just like forget to turn up? Like what? I think everybody what? just... I think that, that film just... Everything about Batman and Robin is just oh. wrong, wrong, was, wrong. Um, we were talking about this the other day because I had, like, last week off work because it was my birthday on the Thursday, and Rich had to go into work Tuesday and Wednesday. So on Tuesday, I spent the day entirely in my pyjamas, uh, reading comic books and watching films, and um, they'd got on um, one of the Sky Movies channels all four of the, the Batman films, um, like the older Batman films. Oh, yes. In a row. So I, I caught the end of Batman, and then I caught Batman Returns, uh, and then I, 
I got through about 20 minutes of Batman Forever before I was like, no thanks. And um, I like Batman Forever. I must admit, I like it. It's not brilliant, but it's fun. It's okay. It's okay. Um, And then I came back for a bit of Batman and Robin, got about three minutes into that before I wanted to fucking die. It was just so... That film, to me, looks like somebody wanted to make a Tim Burton film, but then took a ton of LSD (laughs) and just went, let's make it all gothic and Tim Burton-y, but put loads of bright colours in there and make it ridiculous. Oh my god! When uh, what is he? He says something along the lines of "Everybody chill," and it's just uh, mate. Whoever thought casting Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze just just needs a bloody head examined. And I tell you what, Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy makes me genuinely want to kill her. It's she chews the scenery like nobody's fucking business. It is like the worst performance. I've ever just of anything and the Bane in that film just being like her sort of grunt oh that's not how you do that anyway I'm getting distracted because I've just uh, been I've just finished the uh, the recent reprint of the volume one of Nightfall and it, <gasps> it's 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 like because I've got the recent one it's like a it's like a brick because like, there was a previous one where it only had like some of it but they've actually reprinted it again in like three massive volumes and I've got volume one and my god God, it's like I've really gotten into '90s Batman recently. Mm. Like, there's some really good stuff in '90s Batman because everyone like talks about either the '70s stuff with Neil Adams or you know the Frank Miller and, and Alan Moore stuff in the '80s. But uh, the '90s Batman stuff by Alan Grant and that is bloody good stuff. Oh, Nightfall's my favourite Batman thing. Well, to me, it's like on a par of my favourite with uh, the Long Halloween, which I think is amazing. Have you heard the? The audio uh, play version of Nightfall. No, there's you can get it on iTunes. It was done by Dirt Mags, who uh, did because um, he's like he put he puts on the uh, the live hitchhiker shows because he also did the recent um, Neverwhere radio broadcast. Oh. But they did it back in the nineties, and it's like they it's like, essentially what they did was that they put it on radio radio one, and it was like like. F- three minute episodes they're all done really quick and really frenetically with like a, a cliffhanger but it's like the edits of all of it all the way through and it's really high energy but it's like a really quite faithful adaptation nightfall oh that sounds amazing you get it for about five on itunes i think sweet noting that down it is worth it it is worth it although some of the voice acting is less to be desired particularly the guy who plays bane but oh, the uh really the it's like it's like the a stereotypical Spanish Spanish accent. I will kill you, Batman. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's like really <laughs> awful. Oh dear. That's Take funny. him and bury him. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, that sounds brilliant. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out now. Yeah. <sighs> so we're, um, just to go slightly off topic, because. Um, because I kind of got to go make tea in a little while, so uh, we could we could probably stay for another about fifteen minutes or something like that. Or if you cool. wanted to get something done quite quick, um, is, that, is that all right? Sorry, yeah, I, no, sorry go I, hate, I hate to I hate to cut and run. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'll let you off. No, it's all right. Yes, I recently been uh, looking on Comicsology because every week end now they seem to be doing like a Marvel discount on like a trade. Mm-hmm. It's like a really like 
like they've just recently done the Matt Fraction's first volume of Iron Man for like Ooh. a discounted price, and uh, that was on last weekend. The problem is now with Comicsology is that they they show everything in the UK price tags now, so everything looks considerably cheaper than it does in American dollars. So it <laughs> tricks your brain a little bit. But um, they've been doing like trades, Marvel trades, are about like three dollars ninety nine, which works out to about like two pounds forty something like that. And a couple of weeks ago, they had the um, Volume one of the 2008 run Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. Uh, which was uh, the one which the version which the Kevin Feige, the producer of Marvel Cinema, that was his inspiration to actually do it as a film as part part of Marvel's uh, cinematic universe. And because it's been out of print, I've been trying to find it on like Amazon for like ages, but it like comes to about like. 50 quid or something some of some am i going for so this was like going for about two quid or something on uh, comicsology and even though i don't have an ipad i thought i can sacrifice and look at my phone read it on my phone that shouldn't be a problem so i got it and it's the first six issues it was written by uh dan abnett and uh, illustrated by andy lanning and uh, dan abbott at that time he was writing a lot of the cosmos the cosmic uh, marvel universe stuff because it just come off the back of a huge uh, crossover called annihilation i think mm-hmm. and um, he was doing guardians of the galaxy while he was he was also writing nova at the same time and it's actually really good <laughs> it's it's the first volume, so it takes place after the Annihilation uh, cross storyline, but you don't really need – the good thing about it is that it's really designed for beginners and for people that are not fully familiar with the cosmic mm-hmm. side of Guardians of the Galaxy because – Guardians of the Galaxy originally was like a comic earlier on. The original run uh, was set in like the 31st century of the Marvel Universe. But this one's set more in the uh, the more current Marvel Universe. And it was done about the same time as Secret Invasion, which does carry over into a couple of the issues. But not so much that a newbie would be like, what? What's all this about? It's very funny. It's really, really well written, a really good read, and a really interesting cast of characters. Most of the characters that are in there are going to be in the film, apart from a couple like Adam Warlock and Quasar. So the characters that are in it, which will be in the film, are Star-Lord, Drax the Destroyer, Gamora... And uh, my two personal favourites, Rocket Raccoon and Groot, which I'm really excited to see in the film. Is is Groot the one who just says Groot all the time? I am Groot. That's all he says. (laughs) It's just brilliant. He's just just like like a tree. He's just like an anthropomorphic tree. And he and Rocket Raccoon are best buddies. That it's just it's just genius. It's just just absolutely genius. And like all he can say is, "I am Groot." Nice. I mean, they've had a recent. They've got a newer run at the moment going on because they want to prepare everybody to see the new film coming out. So, I think Brian Michael Bendis is writing this one at the moment, and they've sort mm-hmm. of sexed up uh, Star Lord a little bit. But uh, I really prefer this run because um uh star lord is he's got a much better costume for one thing <laughs> and um he looks a bit more rough around the edges as well and it's but it's like it's really done well and like they'll have like they'll talk about the adventure i mean i don't want to give too much away of the story but um the whole idea of the trade of the first six issues is, is them coming together in the aftermath of annihilation and saying that the galaxy needs much more uh much more of a peacekeeping force because the Nova Corps has just been pretty much decimated. And so it's just a storyline of how they all come together 
and become the Guardians. Mm-hmm. And like this really bizarre ragtag bunch getting together, trying to work with each other. And um, it like this in the first couple of issues, there's these brilliant uh, panels which are like confessional, which is confessions done by the members of the troop uh, of the of the of the gang to. Uh, to to camera talking about like what's going on and what's happening and uh, how sometimes I can't stand anybody and people like that. It's it's really it's really a really good device and it's also really good for new readers if they're not familiar with the characters to sort of get a handle of who they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I would highly recommend it and I really want to start picking up all the other trades and that in just in preparation for the film because i know even though some of the storylines won't actually make it into the film but it's a good it's a good primer for um getting to know who the characters are because it's a big gamble for marvel to do as a film i think because it's such an unknown property mm-hmm. but it's actually the marvel film i'm really looking forward to yeah. aside from ant-man oh ant-man i can't wait for um guardians of the galaxy is, a, is an odd one for me because i started reading the newer ones um simply because i wanted to prep myself for the film and i didn't like it very much so i stopped after about issue six i think it was um writing because i didn't really gel with the writing style but uh i highly recommend this one this this one's done done about 2008 the uh the writing style's much better it's got it's more witty yeah, because what I'm thinking I might do now is actually leave it until after I've seen the film because I'm quite intrigued to see what it's like to go and see a comic film and not know anything about it because you know how people are always banging on about you know the Watchmen film if you haven't read the comic you won't get the you know what the the book was trying to say from the film because but and you know fair enough um I can I can kind of see that but I'd be really interested to see what it's like to sort of go into on blind. Yeah, it might be a good idea to just go into it blind. I mean, I did see through uh, certain means on YouTube uh, f- leaked footage that was shown at the Disney Expo not long after Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And it looks really, really good. It looks really <laughs> funny and really, really well done. There's a piece of music that's actually used in the trailer, which uh, I want to actually – is uh, if you want – if I think if you're still asking for – uh, your guests to put music at the beginning of the program i think mm-hmm. i'd like you to include because it's really it's really it's really left field <laughs> but it somehow works for the trailer is am i right in thinking that bradley cooper is going to be the voice of rocket raccoon yes you are right which i think is a bit bizarre casting but um i don't know bradley cooper's uh, stuff that well apart from hangover mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see what he does with it and i know they've picked vin diesel for groot yeah. Having seen Iron Giant, I think that will work. I was a bit bamboozled by the Bradley Cooper thing, not because I don't think he'll do a good job, but because his voice is fairly nondescript. Yes, yes, I He's agree. He's not got a voice that you would pick out of a crowd and be like, well, yeah, I'd have him as a voice actor, unless he can do something different with his, with his voice, which he may well be able to do, I don't know. But his voice is very just sort of generic American guy to me. I can't, I wouldn't which is pull it out of a crowd. The way that he's written in this particular one that I've read, um, he's uh, he's really sarcastic. He's really witty, but really, really sarcastic. And I just can't see um, Bradley Cooper doing it. But then again, you know, 
Marvel have made some bizarre casting choices in the past, and they've also done some really left-field choices for their directors. I mean, the director of Guardians is James Gunn. I mean, this is the guy that uh, got his start in Troma Studios, you know, the studios that did Toxic Avenger and stuff, and he did films like Super you know, and Sliver, you know, really left-field, bizarre movies. I mean, like Marvel people, I mean, Kenneth Branagh to do four, for God's sake, you know, and that turned out really well. Mm. So I've got a lot of trust in Marvel. They seem to know what they're doing apart from warner brothers who are who've got all of dc's dc's rights and yet they're not doing a good job they're really no. not i i find the whole dc thing like the choices that they're making really strange like the idea of doing were they talking about doing a flash film and then batman and superman and then a justice league film and it's like yeah. well you're gonna you're gonna sort of yes we've got batman superman and the flash but how are you going to tie in? Like, because I don't think that you would need an origin story for every character because I think that would just get really irritating. But to be able to know something about, to even have them referenced in other films so that we get a feel for them existing in this universe so that when they come together to form a super, you know, superhero group, it, it makes some form of sense. But, you know, in the closest we've got so far is little hints about, you know, Bruce Wayne existing in Man of Steel. Um, okay, and I do get the feeling it. that a lot of it is afterthought, though, with DC movies, mm-hmm. because I, 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 this is this is my my this is my assessment, and I could be wrong, and, and people will will disagree with me probably, but this is my assessment with the difference between Warner Brothers and Marvel films. Marvel films is an independent company, even though they do they release their films through like uh, Paramount and stuff like that. They have got certain rights to certain projects, but they're focused purely on doing superhero movies. So they're and, and purely focused on getting their characters out there. So they're focused entirely on getting the storylines right, getting the right choice of movies or the left field choice of movies, creating a, a coherent universe. Whereas DC, whereas Warner Brothers own all the rights to all the characters, but yet they're a big movie studio dealing with all sorts of properties, all sorts of different other movies. They're not really focused i mean fair enough they did a damn good job letting christopher nolan do what he wanted with the dark knight films mm-hmm. and that worked pre- precisely well but that worked within its own universe because everyone was asking for a really serious batman movie but the, but you look at green lantern which i didn't really gel with at all they just um they don't seem to have a real focus on doing anything cohesive it all seems mm-hmm. to be afterthought and what can we get out quickly enough and now because of the success of avengers it's like what can we do to ape the success of avengers because it was so phenomenally successful mm-hmm. and everybody thought the, a lot of people thought the movie was going to fail on its you know fall on its ass but it didn't because that's because marvel got the right writer the right director the right cast they'd spent years setting it up and look what happened it paid off tremendously well for them but mm-hmm. they're focused on what they're doing whereas i think warner brothers aren't yeah, no, I'd agree there because I think you know if they are heading towards a Justice League film, you know they need to have hinted that Batman exists in the Green Lantern film and that you know Green Lantern exists in the Superman film and you know yes. just just little seeds. I don't even need that. I don't need cameos or anything. I just need you know little nods and things because I mean I quite enjoyed the Green Lantern film mostly for Ryan Reynolds' buttocks. Um, <laughs> but I think I think the problem with Green Lantern is that it's a bit too big. Um, it's really difficult to tell the story in sort of like a two-hour film of mm. 
Oa and how the Green Lanterns came about and, you know, the sort of vast quantities of places that they actually police, whilst also trying to get in a story about Parallax, which is a fairly big fucking deal on its own. And yeah. um, on top of that sort of setting up Sinestro, it's like you, you're putting too many eggs in this basket. You can't. Yeah. This is this is too much to shove in one film. It's, you know, I could have I could have done a whole film of flipping Hal Jordan just learning the, the Green Lantern ropes. <laughs> Should have kept, they should have kept him on Noah, pretty much, I think. Yeah. They should have kept him yeah. policing the thing and then sending him back to Earth. Because Green Lantern works better, I think, in space. It mm-hmm. doesn't really work that well on Earth. I think they should have kept him in space. I mean, the reason that Jeff John's run was so successful is because it was big space epics. Mm-hmm. That's why it worked. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it just felt like they'd ripped out this, like the some of the best bits of Jeff John's work, but they didn't have the same line of thinking behind it because... John's knew what he was doing, mm-hmm. and I thought the writer was just like making signposts of like, oh, this bit's in it, this bit's in it, this bit's in it, and it just yeah. didn't feel right to me. I've um I've dropped the Green Lantern comics now, and I feel quite bad about it, but what are you gonna do? No, I dropped it a long time ago, really after the New Fifty Two. Mind you, I've dropped a lot of the New Fifty Two. <laughs> to be honest with you, the only one I'm reading really is now Batman. Is the only one I'm reading consistently. I still have Swamp Thing and Animal Man, but um I need to get back to them. But uh. Batman's the only consistent one I'm reading, simply yeah. because it's so good. I'm reading a fair few, but um, I think I need to have a sit down and have a real think about this because I was chatting with my friend The Hod a couple of weeks ago um, and uh, and he was saying, you know, he was asking about DC and, and what, you know, the new, new 52 universe was like and he said, can you recommend me any good comics, uh, any good DC comics? And the first three I blurted out were all Vertigo titles that have absolutely bagger all to do with the new 52. And he said, no, like, you know, the the ones that are part of the DC universe. And I sat there and I stared at him for a little bit. And then I said, Constantine? In a not very um, enthusiastic manner. So (laughs) I don't think I like DC comics that much anymore. (laughs) Don't get me started on constantine because i am still so pissed off with what they did with hellblazer yeah. with cancelling it i think I, i'm convinced that they're trying to phase out vertigo i really do think they're trying to phase it out i really hope they're not because i think like i say that their strongest comics are in are in the vertigo imprint for me like oh, attack, yeah yeah um i mean there are there are still dc comics that i mean obviously i, I enjoy them to a certain extent otherwise i wouldn't keep reading them but the fact that i can't recommend them to anybody is a pretty telling of the fact that they're fairly blah <laughs> um i'm essentially reading them for the sake of reading them and i, I need to oh, i need to just go through my, my comics and have a bit of a call i think because yeah well i mean I'm, I'm batman's really the only dc title i'm reading and the other marvel title i'm actually reading but it's sporadic it's hawkeye simply because it's so I bloody, love Hawkeye so. so much. It's so good. Did you read it? You read, you read the Bat Fraction one then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I um, I loved it so much. I, I slapped the trade on my wish list because uh, I'm getting Matt Fraction's signature all over that thought bubble. <laughs> oh, so am I. So am I. <laughs> I'm going to be there just dribbling on him like, and not being able to say any words. <laughs> 
just, <laughs> it's just brilliant. It's just I, I thought it wasn't going to last past like five or six issues, but the fact that issue thirteen has only just gone to the press mm. just makes me so happy because it's just so bloody good. I absolutely adore it because it takes such a different standpoint. It's like it's not just a generic yeah. superhero comic. This is this is shit that's going down in his personal life. It's not yeah. all superhero Avengers type business, like world level business. It's like shit's going in, on in his apartment block or you know it's i just i just think it's a really different and i love the artwork oh it's david agent's artwork is just superb i mean have you read uh the pizza dog issue issue yes. 11 oh yes. isn't that brilliant <laughs> it's so good oh it's so good it's the most inventive single issue comic book i've it's just a single issue of a comic book it's the most invented i've, I've read in years it, it just it, in terms of originality yeah it's, it's I, incredible I love that book. I'm going to be sort of hit, um, Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick. I will be literally dribbling all over at Thought Bubble because I, I can't get enough of Captain Marvel either. I'm trying to get a. I'm trying. I want to get a, a sketch off Becky Cloonan because uh, I I loved her work on Conan for Dark Horse not too long that ago. Was good. That was really good. Oh yeah, she was. Her artwork is fantastic, and I'll, I'll probably be dribbling all over her. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I've got a couple of people that I really want to see. But I'm looking forward to. We're both looking. Me and Becca are both looking forward to. It. It's our first four bubbles, so. Oh, so. it's the best con. It is the best con. It's well, happening like, on the anniversary. It's happening on the anniversary weekend, you know, for Doctor Who. Oh shit! Is it? Yeah, it's the 23rd, isn't it? It's. Uh, oh fuck nuts! So. We're gonna get. We're trying to get a hotel room with a TV, so we're gonna stay in one <laughs> day. Come in and watch it with you. <laughs> watch the episode, then go out for the after for the after party. <laughs> oh, the after party is so much fun. I, do, I I absolutely love Thought Bubble because it's even though I mean I haven't been to many cons. I used to go to Brumcon when it was on, but then it stopped. Um, and I've been to Bristol a couple of times. I haven't. I'd like to go to Cardiff, but it always happens in February, which means uh, it's either I'm either poor from Christmas or it's snowing and I can't get there, <laughs> um, which is a bit of a bugger. Um, and I'd like to go to um, one of the ones in Scotland at some point. But I just think that Leeds, it's, the way it's laid out is fantastic because it's everything's in that sort of the armory square. Like you don't have to walk particularly far to go anywhere or do anything or see stuff. So it's, um, and if you're running late for a panel, they're fairly close to each other as well. I just, I think it's, it's a really friendly con as well. Like, that's what I've been told, and I'm really we're both really looking forward to it because we've got a couple of friends that are hopefully going to be there as well. And hopefully, bump into yourself as well. And uh, also, uh, I'm hoping to run in. We're, we're both hoping to run into Dave and Barry actually because uh, we 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 chatted with them after uh, London. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Me and me and Dave were having a, a drunken rant about uh, how shit some of the 50th anniversary stuff for Doctor Who has been in the UK compared to America. So that was that was quite fun. I love Barry and Dave. I am. Um, they're great. I like they're they're the ones that got me into podcasting, so you can blame them for this. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's gonna. Be, I think it's gonna be a good time. So it'll be cool to, to meet up with you guys. There, I'll be. I'm sure it'll be fun. No, uh, sorry to interrupt as well, but it looks like I'm gonna have to go in about a couple of minutes. Is that all right? Uh, that's sorry. fine. No, that's fine. I've um, got enough to make a an episode out of it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
Uh, well, thank you for coming on, uh, especially at such short notice and being so incredibly prepared because I was terrible um, for this episode. I had three things written down. I've only actually talked about one of them, but... <laughs> I've only talked about oh, one well. of the, two of the things on my list. Uh, what I had was Guardians, Hawkeye. The other one I had was Heart Shaped Box, which I've just finished, just recently finished, but... Becky's reading at the moment. She's in the same room, so we don't want to talk about it and do spoilers. Is that the, and, yeah, the, 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 the Joe Hill one? Yes, loved it. Oh, amazing. Yep, go on. <laughs> and uh, the other thing was Bates Motel, which has just started, which is actually all right. I haven't watched that. Um, it's all right. I, I wouldn't mind watching it. The only problem is I went a bit off. I loved Psycho when I first saw it, but then I went a bit off it because um, for a media studies uh, piece of coursework, I watched it 37 and a half times. Um, uh-huh. And that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's actually, I counted how many times I watched that film in order to write this piece of coursework about psychological thrillers and whatnot. And so <laughs> I Good film, like, <laughs> my love for it kind of waned by the end. I was like, <laughs> my brain. But I would I would be interested in checking that out. I tell you what, while we're doing really brief, really quick stuff, um, the other two things I had on my list was Dexter, which yes. I don't didn't want to talk too much about anyway because I've only got one episode of this series left, so I'm probably going to review it once it's finished because that's going to be the end of it all. But um, this series has been really boring. <laughs> been told that I've only seen the first two seasons of Dexter. Yeah, uh, which. I really enjoyed the first one. Second one, I thought it's all right. It was good, but it wasn't wasn't as good as the first one. Um, series four, if that's the one with John Lithgow, which I think it is, is the absolute best series of anything I have ever seen in my life. It is amazing, like a full on, full on amazing. But this series, like at the end of the first episode, there was a bit of a twist, and you're like, oh, what? And I got excited for the rest of it. But this series could have easily been half the size that it has been. Like there's been a lot of unnecessary bumps or like mm-hmm. extended scenes of nothing much happening. So it's just been a bit boring. Um, and the other thing that I had was, uh, have you seen This Is the End at all? No, I haven't, no. Oh, well, if you like films with Seth Rogen in, then you probably should, because it is fucking funny as balls. Really? <laughs> we, uh, we watched it last week, and I don't think I've laughed so hard at a film for ages. Like, that went sort of, as soon as I saw it, it went, like, just directly underneath Pacific Rim for my tip-top film of this year. Wow, like, that's so because I know how much you love Pacific Rim. Oh, I tell you, mate, fucking, oh, I could, honestly, I could talk about that film forever, so I won't. I won't. But what I will say about this is the end is that because it's like absolutely full of like film stars playing themselves. Yeah. Um, so like the, to say that there's a cameo in it and that's brilliant is weird because it's just full of people who are famous anyway. But there is like one particular person who appears in it, and I don't want to ruin it for anyone because it's so fucking funny. But it's just the best thing in the world. Um, I think if it's the one I'm thinking of, you can edit this out. Is it uh, Emma Watson? No, no, it's not. Oh, okay. No, um, I knew she was going to be in it because of uh, she was in the trailer. This is that's true, yeah, yeah, not from the trailer, but like the whole film, like it's really, it's really funny. It's a really good idea, and it's oh, the ending's amazing as well. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it actually. Just go and see; it's good. Isn't okay, it? cool. Yeah, we'll check it out definitely. And I should also maybe if it comes on Netflix or the TV, watch Brad Pitt zombie movie. Yeah, do watch that. It's a good film. Anyway, I'll let you go and have some dinner because it's late and it's a ridiculous time to be having dinner. So. Okay. Is there anything that you want to plug of yours or your ladies before we shimmy? My blog, yes, uh, which is hasn't got much at the moment, but uh, I'm doing a blog where I'm reviewing a very strange 
stories like horror stories or science fiction and uh, esoteric stuff and really bizarre stuff and it's a uh, it's called twisted tomes mm-hmm. and i've got one review on there at the moment but i'm writing a whole load of reviews so i can start releasing it in like chunks in a block so uh Yep. So I'll, I'll find. Let me just find the uh, the web the web address for it very quickly. You think I'd remember it by now, but I never do. <laughs> um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Unlike you, I can actually use my browsers <laughs> when I'm on Skype. Okay. So it's twistedtomes.blogspot.co.uk. Excellent. Do you still need some music or something like that from me? Yes, please, if you can fling it at my... Have you still got my email address? The, um... Um, Actually, I should probably give it to the listeners anyway. <laughs> yes. I am terrible at this. God. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can uh, le tweet. I am at Stace Bob T, capital S, capital T. Or you can drop me an email at stacysparlour at gmail.com. I've just had business cards made up, guys, that I'm Ooh. eagerly awaiting in the post. So, you know, expect to see those accidentally getting left on a bus somewhere that's my new bookmark then (laughs) (laughs) oh dear (sighs) anyway but thank you again for coming on Um, it's my pleasure no problem at all i had i had fun and it was great that you could actually hear me this time (laughs) (laughs) well here's hoping uh look out on twitter for updates on me and the editing of this tomorrow is uh national comic book day and i thought wouldn't that be a great day to release a podcast but this ain't getting edited by tomorrow (laughs) oh sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) that's not your fault i'm doing my fair share of rambling anywho thank you again and i shall speak to you soon Yeah, definitely. Uh, Thanks for having me on, and I'll catch you later sometime. I had had fun. It was great. Thank you. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cocked your head to the side and said, I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying, get back together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realized it's all my fault, but couldn't tell you. Yesterday, you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it now and watch the hood wink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. Summon fish to the dish, although I like the shallow Swiss, I like the sushi, cause it's never touch a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes, speak like Leanne rhymes, because I'm all about value. Bert Campers got the mad hits, you try to match wits, you try to hold me but I bust through. Gonna make a break and take a pick, I like a sneak and they can shake, I like vanilla, it's the finest of the flavors. Gonna see the jokers and you'll know the vertigo is gonna go, cause it's so dangerous, you'll have to sign a waiver. I can't help it if I think you're funny when you're mad, trying hard not to smile though I feel bad. I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral, can't understand what I mean, well you soon will. I hope the smoking man's in